to Shall We Read a Poem? I'm Russ. Hi, I'm Lauren. How rainy is it there? We're actually not getting rain today. It Yesterday, uh, no, it was the day before I had to go to physical therapy, and so I had to bike around a bit, and by the time I got back, it looked like I'd just taken a shower with my clothes on. Excellent. Yesterday, it was even wetter than that. I feel like it's been raining for at least a week nonstop here. Is it, it raining is there today? Pissing down. Today? Today, right now. Huh. Well, it's actually just cloudy today in Portland. And I continue to buck the trend and make fashion choices that do not behoove me in this environment because it's like, you know what I need? I need a coat that is a mid-level coat because I have a scarf and then I have a coat that is meant for Arctic temperatures Mm -hmm. and nothing in between. And so what did I pick but a nice wool blend? Oh, because all your puffy Arcteryx jackets look like shit. I'm glad you paid $5,000 for your coat, Vancouverite, but you look like a tire. Russ, you need something waterproof. I do. It's called an umbrella. I, okay, but in the, in the Northwest, what you really need to do is to have a waterproof shell of some sort, and you can get something classy if you want. I'm sure it exists. You don't have to wear, like, the biker jackets that I do, and by biker, I mean cyclist. And then you layer underneath. You want it to be a little bit big, so you can put a bunch of sweaters underneath. Th- that is my giant Arctic weather coat. It's terrible and shapeless and black and waterproof and does But it's all already too hot. It's already warm, and so you want something that you can... You want something thin that isn't giving you a lot of warmth. That's just keeping the water and wind off you. And then you put a bunch of sweaters underneath. And Portland has the Columbia jackets, right? Yeah, we have Columbia. And because Arcteryx is the local brand, all of the conspicuous consumption folk are like, I saw them lined up outside the store yesterday to spend $1,000 on the latest jacket that looks exactly like the last jacket that looks exactly like you're just wearing an egg carton. They're probably reselling them to China. I mean, good for them, but you can get cheap knockoffs. Why? Like, there's knockoffs in China. It's the luxury. That's their thing. A lot of times when you see people lined up outside a store for something, they're usually reselling it to the Chinese luxury market. And see, I'm glad we brought this up because I am also talking about economic functions of which I have no conception today. So where are we going with this? Okay, well, do you want to start then? (laughs) I suppose I can. I am reading Invisible Boy. And here we see the Invisible Boy in his lovely invisible house, feeding a piece of invisible cheese to a little invisible mouse. Oh, what a beautiful picture to see. Will you draw an invisible picture for me? So today I was going to read two poems. And was that one of them? That was one of them. (laughs) (laughs) And were you also going to talk about NFTs? No, I was going to do something completely different. I was so... Okay, let's talk about NFTs and then we should go to the other one I was going to read because both of them bug me in the same way. So let's talk about NFTs first. Well, I I was going to mention the illustration for Invisible Boy is rather key because the illustration is just a blank square. Yeah. 
you know, de- depicting the art that exists only in Shell's imagination. And now ours, I suppose. Well, me being not business savvy at all and barely understanding how money works, the only rule I ever learned about money was that you shouldn't spend more than you make. Which is I not took... how our economy works at all. No, it's not. And I do have a credit card, but I pay it off every month. And so I would come to realize that my credit card company kind of hates me because I do that. And so anytime a new craze comes along, I, one, don't understand it. And then two, once I research the thing, I feel like I'm just reading P.T. Barnum's notes on how to take the rubes for a ride such as it is. Well, right. And so NFTs have been around for a little while, but like in 2020 slash 2021, they kind of came to the fore. And it seems like every rich person and every investor started getting in on them. And for any listener who is like me that just barely understands them, an NFT or non-fungible token is something that exists unto itself. And because it's not fungible, it can't be exchanged you know, it, it has no medium of exchange other than its own self-worth. And so for like digital art creators, it kind of has a little bit of merit because something can be tagged as being the original piece of work through the blockchain that's embedded in the image or whatever token or whatever digitally representable thing that you have that certifies it as the real thing because the blockchain tracks its, you know, history and development and who it's existed with and that kind of thing. And of course, it's just a fiat currency. Like, it only has worth because we say it has worth. Mm-hmm. And I've talked to a couple of crypto people who are like. Well, NFTs kind of, aren't supposed to be currency. But you, you can sell them right. for currency. Yes. It's, it's, just, it, it's just like investing in a, in a piece of art. Right. It's like a Van Gogh isn't currency, but it has worth. Right. And NFTs have worth, is my understanding. Yeah. I've heard, but have no credible source to go with that they were originally seen as a way to to be a patron of the arts Mm -hmm. and sort of a almost like a certificate of support so that you could brag about it that you were bingo yeah yeah it's it's just a flex yeah something i saw when i was doing my cursory level research on this was there is a weird difference because you can stand in front of like a picasso and be like "Ooh, here's a picasso but you can't really do the same thing with an NFT because any copy of it will look to the eye exactly like the thing. But because it's not the real thing, I don't know. That's where it loses me. Right. Is because it isn't the value of art an aesthetic kind of thing? Except that's not the point of this at all. The point of this is to put your money in a fake thing that may or may not appreciate. Well, I mean, I've heard that a lot of buying and selling art is about money laundering oh yeah oh definitely oh a thousand percent which is what you know that, that's why the crypto crowd's all interested right in i had a casually interested crypto person yell at me because i asked him how this was different from the beanie baby craze in the 90s and how if you invested in you know the exclusive beanie like this year for you know 1993 you're getting the the, the, there are three christmas bears made and they're all definitely going to be worth a million dollars you know and when i asked him this he got flustered and started complaining about the blockchain and i never got a straight answer 
I mean, I get it. I get all like investment stuff from this, the, just the cynical point of view that this is a way to make money quickly if you do it right. I don't understand the true believers where like the blockchain <laughs> is the solution to everything. Wow. If, you, <laughs> if we were going to make a documentary about existing in the 21st century, I feel like the title would be I Don't Get the True Believers. <laughs> <laughs> I get all the people who are scamming each other. I just don't understand true believers. Yeah, so uh, anyone out there who is who is going to tell me that NFTs are like the next bit. And as you say, when you say patrons, yes, the rich stand to make a crap ton of money off of people they can bilk. It, it, it's like if, say like Wes Anderson came down and he took a shot from... Grand Budapest Hotel, or whatever Wes Anderson movie you like. And he took an iconic shot, and he said, this is the shot. This is the one copy of this shot. And then he sold that copy for $85 million. Well, someone would buy it, and then they would have that shot. That would be the shot. And then he would make $85 million. And then what happens after that? But whereas, like, if I took a picture of my left hand and I was like, this is the picture of my left hand. No one gives a shit. Yeah. I mean, they did, they did similar things with stills for, um, from animations. Uh, yeah. You remember you could buy those things. You still can. <laughs> they were never that expensive though. I don't think. Anyone that would look at this and say, ah, now there's my retirement plan. It's <laughs> okay. And one person is going to get very rich and everybody else is going to get bilked. I don't know. They're just, they're just, they're all different ways of, you know, getting rich quick off of the new exciting thing, whether it's Beanie Babies or NFTs. I think that the big difference between Beanie Babies and NFTs, I think, is uh, somewhat of a almost gendered one where you have to have a financial and intellectual buy in to something that is coded masculine. Hmm. And so that's why I think your NFT dude got really offended. <laughs> because Beanie Babies are not coded masculine. <laughs> what, if we like, what if we had a George O'Keefe image? Would that well, I be... mean, who's to stop anybody from taking any image and saying now it's and like creating an NFT out of it? You can steal other people's artwork and make NFTs out of them if you want, easily. And I should say, maybe not easily, because it, you, to create the blockchain, right. you do need a considerable amount of computing right. power. And that's the other argument against it is it's like, this is not green at all. No, like, it's so immoral because like... Burning our, through forests. Our, our energy prices are so subsidized because they're a public interest. Like, you want people to have energy to run their homes. But because of that, it makes the, the blockchain financially doable. So everybody is subsidizing the wealth. I mean, this is about what wealth in general is like this, but everybody else is subsidizing the wealth of the people who want to make money off MF off NFTs. I feel like with each subsequent generation, we just reinvent the same scams. They just take on, like for our generation, now they just have a digital component. Right. A hundred years ago, what was hot? Art forgery. What's it going to be this generation? NFT forgery. Well, I mean, the thing about NMFT is that you can't really forge it. Yet. I mean, 
don't think NFTs are going to be valuable uh, long enough for forging them to be interesting. <laughs> I think that is an accurate statement. <laughs> so what is it about the this shell poem? Because that because it's that in a nutshell for me. It's here is your invisible picture of nothing and there's all the worth that we can attribute to it. It's the same, it's that same old argument, you know, that I heard trotted out like 20 years ago against certain aspects of the modern art movement where it's like, oh, I could do this. Yes, but you didn't, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, I mean, that's true. Shell did just draw a rectangle. Shell just drew a rectangle. And if tomorrow Kim Kardashian sells an NFT that is just a rectangle, she's going to make $75 billion. (laughs) That uh, that seems a bit off in your in your calculations, but you know, mental math is hard. Large money. Large monies. All right. Well, I Golden think it, cocaine money. I think it's a good time for me to bring mine out then. The toucan. Tell me who can catch a toucan. Lou can. Just how few can ride the toucan. Toucan. What kind of goo can stick you to the toucan? Glue can. Who can write some more about the toucan? You can. And it is a picture of a bird on a tree that looks pretty worse for wear. It's just most of its limbs are chopped off except for one. And the toucan is perched on top of it. Now, given the fact that you are going to do Invisible Boy and Toucan makes me think you're taking this from some sort of creator's perspective. Kind of. Okay. It's more of a like a fuck you, I won't do what you told me. <laughs> okay. I just, those two poems have always have really annoy me because at the end there's this directive of sorts to complete the assignment. It's like, here's, it reminds me of these really stupid school workbooks that would be like, here's a blank rectangle, draw something in it. And like, or you can do more like this. Put your thinking caps on, let's go, or something like that. Now, I think this might represent the difference between you and, or one of the differences between you and I. I loved those assignments. Like, do you remember, when you were in school, did you read The Mysteries of Harris Burdick? No, tell me about it. Oh, golly. Okay, so the entire book is story starters. Okay. And it's, it's mostly a picture book, but the pictures are very evocative. It, it it only gives one line. The, the, and there's kind of a framing story. And I, I'm quoting the Wikipedia here. An encounter between a children's book editor named Peter Winders and an author and illustrator named Harris Burdick who says he has 14 stories that he has written. He has brought one picture from each story with a caption and he leaves with a promise to deliver the complete manuscripts if the editor chooses to buy the books. The next day, Burdick never shows up and disappears completely. Over the years, Winders tries to find out who Harris Burdick was, but he never does. Burdick is never seen again and the samples are all that remain of these books and read are challenged to imagine their own stories based on the images wow i heard that and i was like immediately started clenching my teeth like no and i loved them uh stephen king wrote a short story based on one of them oh all of them are very easily available online these days whenever a teacher would be like you can use this writing prompt or you can make your own i would always make my own and I liked building off of things. See, I don't mind. So I, I kind of either need 
it one way or the other. I need either for it to be completely no input at all or for there to be a lot of input and to build off of that. Like, there kind of has to be this, an entire world built for me to play in before I feel comfortable. Or it has to be completely on my own and I do not like taking a snippet of something and, and creating more off of it. it. To me, that's just like, no, I don't want to do what you told me to do. Now, that's not to say that I am offended by uh, by just little snippet prompts in all ways. For example, for as a party game, something like Exquisite Corpse is fun, but I, I definitely am reading this thing you've sent me. Okay, so the things you sent me are very different. Like, they, they're intriguing because they have quite a bit of, of something uncanny or absurd to them. Mm. Yeah, the tone is very different. Mm. Okay, so, so you prefer more mystery and less irreverence, like what you get from Shell. Yeah, I think when there's... Here there's, like, a deep question to it. Mm. Like a what is wrong. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, when things when there's when there's asking the question like what what went wrong, it's for some reason that's more interesting to me than you know write more chippery stuff about a toucan, make an invisible picture or make an invisible picture. Like these really just to me seem like shell phoning it in. <laughs> the toucan one has some like cute little rhymes to it, but then he's just like, and you can do more. <laughs> it was like no i'm not gonna do more you do more this was your idea <laughs> that would be a great almost performance art thing where the artist shows up but just pre- presents blank canvases and tells the assembled all right now you make the art i would be so mad <laughs> and i would be gleeful <laughs> why i would be like cool i could do this at home or you could do it at, at the art gallery I think for me, I won't just do what be... you told me. <laughs> Very rage against the machine. <laughs> it's more like pout against the machine. Pout against the... <laughs> Somehow that has... <laughs> There's less impact there, isn't it? <laughs> That's like the, the name they didn't go with for the cure. <laughs> rage against the machine took rage against the machine, but the cure didn't take pout. They took... The cure. Anyway. Uh, I like the cure being pout against the machine. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what we can do to top that, Russ. (laughs) Have we dug ourselves a hole? Yeah, well, I don't know if we're ever going to get better than pout against the machine. Pout against the machine. If If you were given a writing assignment in school and you had to choose one that you would enjoy, what would it be? I do what I want. I don't know what to say. Like, I I, it was, I usually, like, wanted to write, like, some terrible high fantasy shit. Oh, is that so? Mm-hmm. A la Lord of the Rings? Or... Yeah, yeah. Uh, and for me, it was always sci-fi. Yeah, cool. And then we grow, and then we grow to be disappointments. Good for us. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we have written a total of none of that together, or separately, or at all. <laughs> it is my goal but to write I, to write like uh, some terrible fantasy book, though. I don't even want it to be good. I just want it to be very like Wheel of Time garbage. Oh, does that? When does that start? That that that, that that's slated for like Netflix, isn't it, or Amazon? Yeah, I don't even know. I enjoyed it for a while at the time, but it was pretty bad. I never read a single page of The Wheel of Time. 
There were a lot of them. <laughs> and Robert Jordan didn't even finish them. I know. Thanks, Brandon Sanderson. And now we've and now we've gone full circle back to nerdery. I'm trying well, to find you... a way to loop back a love of sci-fi and fantasy to Shel Silverstein. Well, I mean, he liked drugs. <laughs> you know, I actually don't know a whole about about and much about him and drugs. I assume he liked drugs, as he liked to hang out at the Playboy Mansion, but I actually don't know. Look at that. He um he did not. Um, he he liked hanging around drunken high people. Yeah. And he would use them to influence his stories, apparently. Yeah. But you know, he himself was not big on the two. Yeah. Well, he did not go to the Hemingway School of Editing, I see. <laughs> the right drunk edit sober? Yeah, I guess I should have said the Hemingway School of Writing. Yeah. At all, right? <laughs> well, do you have anything uplifting to leave our listeners with? I don't know. Why do we always end the podcast like this? Well, because we try to, because we are usually depressing. That's true. That's a good point. This time we weren't that depressing, though. It's good to end, an, uh, end on an uplifting note anyway. And go buy yourselves an ugly jacket. Hmm. Wool socks feel really good on a rainy day. Wool socks.